Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1003, air date December 7th, 2021. Hello, everyone. Good evening. It's Dr. Shiva. I want to today uh, take on the occasion of Pearl Harbor, when Pearl Harbor was bombed on December 7th, 1941, um, many years ago today, to take the occasion to do a systems analysis uh, for all of you to understand how Britain, uh, the British uh, crown and the British elites were the ones who engineered uh, Pearl Harbor and uh, the subsequent entry of the United States into World War II. Uh, one thing everyone must understand is Americans, by and large, after World War I, were non-interventionists. The American people did not want to enter any more wars. So uh, it was a significant amount of effort that needed to take to bring Americans into wanting to participate in World War II. So what we're going to cover today is, first, we're going to look at, I uh, just quickly cover, uh, Britain's entry into World War II, which occurred in 1939. Then we're going to go on to look at uh, the efforts a particular Churchill was doing to somehow figure out how much he was wooing uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt to enter World War II um, and the American public, and it frankly wasn't really working. And then we're going to go to see how the particular relationship of Dean Acheson, who was FDR's under Secretary of State or Assistant Secretary of State, who essentially uh, did uh, something that was specific to really piss off Japan to want to attack Pearl Harbor on the about the same time as Churchill was trying to woo FDR to do it, but FDR really didn't have a reason. And then um, we're going to talk about and we're going to summarize that to really understand that when you really look at the phenomenon of World War II. Um, it is not that, it, it shows against the common thread of how the British crown, again, we're not talking about the British people, we're not talking about, uh, you know, the, the businesses in Britain, we're talking about the elites in Britain who cannot uh, fathom any other uh, power that challenges them. Uh, if you look a few videos ago, we talked about how Cecil Rhodes and uh, Britain uh, are the ones who engineered 
um, the entry into World War One, how they uh, could not stand the fact that an independent country like Germany was coming up and they laid out the conditions waiting for a spark so they could justify uh, the entry. And in this case, the Britain severely needed the United States to enter the World War II and they engineered those conditions. So the key takeaway I want everyone to understand is that um, those in power uh, use war as an an instrument of politics. It's another means of politics. I think Klauswitz said that, right? War is another uh, means of politics. So I want everyone to uh, walk through this. We're going to keep it really brief, but you're going to walk away with some good history. So first of all, uh, welcome to everyone. And by the way, before we begin, I want to uh, let everyone know that our movement for truth, freedom, and health is recognizing that an election is coming up in 2022 and I've announced that I will be um, doing a run for governor, but in a very different way. We recognize that the elections are selections and we'll be announcing shortly how all of you can participate even in the midst of this to recognize that we have come up with a way for all of you all over the country to participate um, by ensuring that we go back to hand counted paper ballots. And we have a methodology that we've created for that. Um, but we're going to see a lot of our truth, freedom, and health warrior scholars all over the country um, having the opportunity to run, not to win on their terms, but to win on our terms to build the movement. It is only a movement that is really going to secure freedom, that's going to secure truth, and it's going to secure health. It's not going to be from these freaking politicians because the elections are selections. Anyway, I'll come back to that. But let's um, talk a little bit about uh, Pearl Harbor. Um, let me first uh, bring up this one uh, picture. Some of you may have seen this elsewhere, but this gives you an understanding of, um, let me bring this up. Here we go. Okay. So if you look at this headline right here, which I'm bringing up here, you'll see that uh, Britain at war with Germany, right? So Britain enters a war with Germany. This is, uh, if you look at this right here, this is September... 3rd, 1939, okay? And so Britain was involved with the war with Germany. And remember, Britain had really, um, uh, World War One, as we've talked about, was devastating to Germany. Uh, as you look at the previous video, we talked about how Cecil Rhodes, the group, as they were called, the elites of Germany, of, of Britain, thought they, they were the only powers that, the, that should exist, the British Empire. So as Germany was coming up, and as Kaiser Wilhelm II was coming up, the we talked about this in starting in late 1890, all the way leading up to early 1900, Britain was putting out massive amounts of propaganda among the British citizens that Kaiser Wilhelm II was this evil guy. And in order to justify uh, Britain's entry into World War I, and they engineered, as a lot of the data is starting to show, the conditions so they could justify their entry and to go beat the hell out of Germany. And they did destroy Germany to such a point that it led to the rise of Hitler. And Hitler was, again, this, there's a whole dynamics here, but Hitler was uh, leveraged what occurred in World War I to initiate a war with Britain and for forcing Britain to enter that. So the bottom line is that, that uh, Britain was as war with Germany starting in 1939, okay? Britain needed allies. So they wanted 
the United States to participate in their war, okay? And guess what? The United States public, as I mentioned, did not want to participate in any more wars. World War I was devastating. If many of you go back to your history books, uh, the, the people in the United States were into isolationism. They, did, they no longer wanted to participate in any more wars. So for Britain to get the American public into World War II would require some serious manipulation, some serious engineering. And there's a, um, a interesting article that you can find that was written by an author. Let me bring it up. And you can find this on online. But what was happening was that um, the uh, it was when you really unravel this, it was really oil that led to Pearl Harbor. And we'll talk about it. And the events that were going on was, let me go to this article right here and I'll bring this up, the important points here, okay? Um, in that summer of 1941, uh, Roosevelt and his trusted advisor, like right where you can see here, Harry Hopkins, and the US Undersecretary of State Sumner Wells were attending the shipboard conference off Newfoundland and the Secretary of State Cordell Hull was on vacation at Greenbrier in Virginia. And he had the authority to grant licenses to export and pay for oil and other goods, was in the hands of a three-person interagency committee, and it was dominated by Assistant Secretary of State Dean Acheson. So let me just unpack uh, this. So what was going on was um, every six months, um, uh, up until uh, this point in the summer of 1941, the United States would give a waiver um, for Japan to buy oil from the United States. Okay, let me repeat that again. Every six months, there would be a check to see if it was okay to sell oil to Japan. So that waiver was pretty much rubber stamped approved by the Secretary of State by the name of Cordell Hull. So Cordell Hull, you know, they would look at the situation. Okay, they'd say, great, um, we're going to give Japan oil. So Japan was highly reliant on those waivers for uh, from the United States to get oil. And Cordell Hull was doing this on a normal basis. However, in the summer of 1941, what was occurring was that up until that point, from 39 to that point, those two years, um, Churchill was trying to woo America to participate in the war. And that summer of uh, 41, um, as this article says right here, Roosevelt was attending, we go back to this article here, was attending, this is the right one? Yeah, was attending a conference, um, was attending a conference that was called a, a shipboard conference off Newfoundland and with Sumner Wells. Well, guess who was at this conference? So that, let me go to the next article. So at that time, um, uh, uh, Mr. Churchill was also at this conference. All right, let me bring that up. So Churchill was also at this conference. All right, here we go. So, um, so Churchill was at this conference we bring here conference. 
So in early August of 41, right here, the two leaders of the English speaking people met at a shipboard conference off the coast of Canada, Newfoundland. Churchill thought they had developed a strong relationship and they had, but not as strong as Churchill hoped. FDR was much shrewder of the two about personal relation with other leaders. Some would say the American, the American was at times deceptive about his intentions. Pearl Harbor rendered all of that irrelevant. Okay, it united Americans behind the idea of a total war in a way that a lesser attack would not have done. So here is Churchill meeting at the shipboard conference in August of 1941 with FDR, trying to get him to participate in, in World War II, okay? But guess what? Uh, FDR wasn't, I guess, being convinced, okay? At the same time, you know, the running of the affairs of state is left to this guy, Dean Acheson. Okay. So Cordell Hull, the secretary of state is on vacation. He's out of the picture. Interesting enough. Why did he go on vacation? He was always allowing Japan to get these oil waivers. He's out of the picture. Roosevelt is over here with Churchill. Roosevelt can't enter World War II because the American public does not want to enter World War II. And if you read this article, uh, it talks about how the level of wooing, okay, if that's the right word, that uh, that uh, FDR was doing. And the the article talks about, let me bring it here, up here. Uh, oh, let me see this here, sorry about this. Um, the stage was set for Churchill to woo the US nation. In December, he and his military chiefs sailed to America to hammer out the strategy that would follow in, in the incoming struggle. I think it's here. Hold on. Um, the article really talks about the incredible amount of, here it is, okay? Um, Britain was treated like literally, as historian Max Hasing said, when Ambassador Winnett first arrived to make his post, he was met by a special train in Worcester, Windsor. So there, George VI himself was waiting at the station to drive the ambassador in his own car. Never in history had a foreign diplomat been received with such ceremony. So what was happening was the, the British crown, the king and Churchill were really wooing the US ambassadors, treating them like royalty, okay? It wasn't working. So while Cordell Hull is out of the picture, the actual secretary, the, the secretary of state. At this shipboard conference, the escalation of this wooing takes place between Churchill and Roosevelt. But Roosevelt didn't have a good enough reason. But guess what happens? While that shipboard conference is taking place around the same period, Dean Acheson, who later on ended up working with Kennedy and Truman, et cetera, it's, it's a whole article or a whole discussion we can do on Dean Acheson. He stops the waiver of oil to Japan. Now, this was essentially going to suffocate Japan. Japan was already being hit with various types of embargo. And this was essentially the spark for Japan to say, screw it. And within Japan, uh, the militancy was also growing because Japan was being choked by all sides, by Britain, uh, forcing the US to also cut off certain assets. But Dean Acheson's denying Japan oil was essentially saying, we're going to, we're going to destroy the Japanese people that led to Japan attacking Pearl Harbor. 
All right. So just understand this. Churchill needed the United States to get into war. The American people did not want to enter war. He's at this conference with Roosevelt trying to get him into the war. He really doesn't have a reason. And boom, he gets a reason because Dean Acheson cuts off oil to Japan. Japan's the people of Japan essentially are going to be choked. They attack Pearl Harbor to try to get oil. And more than that, they're also very, very upset. And as you know, Pearl Harbor is the closest uh, to Japan, uh, to Japan's coast. So that's what happened. And so the real takeaway is that when the elites decide to manipulate public opinion, they will do whatever it takes. So the outstanding question, and, and, and we, this is probably for further research, is, and some historians have argued this, that Franklin Delano Roosevelt, you know, just needed a good reason. So he got Cordell Hell out of the way. He had Atchison's there. He goes to the shipboard conference and probably more than likely there was some communication. It's not like Atchison did this on his own. That's what the front page story is. But the reality is Atchison was probably, you know, um, you know, inspired or incited to do this. And that resulted in Atchison doing something which would have essentially really pissed off the Japanese, which is to cut off their oil. And as you can see here, that and, and this was, by the way, front page story of the time. And, you know, unfortunately, this is no longer taught in any of the uh, history classes. But this was undeniably front page news, as you can see. Here's the front page news. Um, president cuts off oil to Japan, freezes all silk stocks, and that's August of, you know, uh, summer of 1941, okay? So this was, and this was being reported throughout the news that, you know, we were planning on doing this, that um, Churchill, uh, you know, wanted to woo the United States. Now, let me read this last piece, and this will sort of make it clear to you how much uh, uh, England wanted the United States in World War uh, two. Let me bring up this final piece. And it, it really shares, this article really shares uh, an interesting, um, I don't know how I get rid of this stupid thing here, John, do you? Uh, let me go here. Yeah, here we go. Okay. It says, to Winston Churchill, the Japanese attack on the United States naval force at Pearl Harbor was one of the greatest days of the most terrible war in Britain's history. He was appalled, calculating, and exhilarated, perhaps in equal measures. He was dining at the Checkers, the country re retreat of prime ministers, when he heard the news. His guests were U.S. Amb ambassadors Gil Winant and Averill Harriman, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt's special envoy to Europe. A butler brought in a portable radio for the party to listen to the BBC Home Service. When the attack, Pearl Harbor, was confirmed, Churchill leapt to his feet and said, we must declare war on Japan. Said he must declare, which means Roosevelt. His guests dissuaded him from his this impetuous act Historian Walter Reed recounts in Churchill, 1940-1945, his book about wartime relations among the Allied leaders. The Prime Minister phoned Roosevelt and asked, Mr. President, what's this about Japan? FDR responded that it was true and they were all in the same boat now. Okay? And let me finish this. This, this statement's very interesting. This is what Churchill wrote. Being saturated and, sat uh, and satiated with emotion and sensation... I went to bed and slept the sleep of, of the saved and thankful. He wrote in his own history of World War II. Let me repeat that again. Being saturated and sati satiated with emotion and sensation, I went to bed and slept the sleep of the saved and thankful. So there you go. Okay. 
So uh, let me just actually make this a little bigger, okay? If you can see it again, some of you probably weren't able to see that. Let me go back to this, okay? Uh, there it is again. This is what Churchill said, being saturated and satiated with emotion and sensation, Churchill said, I went to bed and slept the sleep of the saved and thankful. So it was extremely important for Britain once again to start wars with other people, divide and rule the world, and uh, you know, one thug against another thug. But this is how they got America involved. And if you really look back at it, who really profited from this? Eventually, you'll realize that the British Empire and the British crown truly uh, prospered from World War II, okay? Uh, France and Germany after that created a pact. They realized they'd also been used uh, on either side and that they would never ever fight again. So that's, that's what I want you guys to know, that when you take the systems approach, you realize that uh, imperialists thrive on war and division. And that brings us to today. When you look at what's going on in the United States right now, you can again trace it as I've stated before, it is once again neo-colonialism back in action. It is the British crown, which has amassed massive amounts of fortune in all their bank accounts, that they want to destroy the Bill of Rights in this country. There is a reason that Harry is over here. There's a reason that Meghan Markle is here. It's not like they're fighting, uh, but they do not want the American working class to have the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. And what we're seeing is neo-colonialism version 2.0. And there's a reason that the domestic censorship infrastructure now has been implemented in the United States. It's no surprise that the architects of that were the Atlantic Council of, uh, out of Britain and at Harvard. It's open It's open in, in the books right out of the Belfer School. The Long Fuse Report talks about this. And in fact, Prince Harry is now a commissioner at the Aspen Institute of Disinformation Information. And he's openly talking about why the First Amendment is bonkers, okay? So you we're literally going in full cycle, and the goal is for the elites to once again take back any sense of the First Amendment and Second Amendment that was given. And what we're witnessing right now is the attack on the working people worldwide, but particularly the working people in this country. We have the destruction of the First Amendment. We don't really have science anymore. And what you realize, is the expansion of big pharma and big pharma frankly is racist because they don't really want to support indigenous medicines and we'll talk more about this in a piece that i'll do and the only way forward is for us to build a movement for truth freedom and health our running and it's going to be our running in 2022 we know elections are selections but we know that working people must unite beyond left and right and we must fight for truth freedom and health and I'll come back shortly. I just want John to play our video, which encourages you all to join this movement. John, can you just play the video? We have allowed our country to be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you, deep down inside them, that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. Agreed. This reality is what people need to wake up to. And we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. Mm -hmm. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four year old kid studying revolutionary movements, left wing, right wing. There is a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand 
Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they, they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. We wow. got to train people. First with understanding what a system is. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, right? Talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas, hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Third concept is, it has to be bottoms up. Working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people, Dave, to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not so obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you on the left and the right. The Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you. The Tucker Carlson's. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're gonna follow on the, the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're gonna follow, you know, some right wing talk show host. They're not gonna lead us to liberation, it's us. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game, and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own quote unquote people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum. People can go to bashiva.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics, and I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people. Two years of MIT control systems, I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it, anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I gotta build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute, and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, be, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on V as in Victor A. Shiva, vashiva.com, so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they wanna take a course and become a truth, freedom, and health leader, I offer a full scholarship there. 
but we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to VA Shiva, Victory America Shiva, VAShiva.com. All right, everyone. I hope that was helpful. So um, what we just went over was just doing a very different type of uh, exposure to all of you to understand that it's not just the Japanese just randomly attacked Pearl Harbor and they just are, you know, nuts or something. And they just wanted to attack Pearl Harbor. But there was a whole bunch of events leading up to that. And this is really important to understand because sometimes we're looking at the end of a movie, the last two minutes, and then we're wondering what the hell happened. We're reaching to conclusions. But when you look at this arc of this set of events that was taking place, what you really understand is that Japan was, you know, really the conditions were created. So Japan had to go do something demonstrably, um, you know, uh, flagrant uh, to get the American people also very, very upset. And that was what was really engineered. The other thing that I want to emphasize to everyone is that when you really look at these situations, whether you look at World War II or World War I, one of the fundamental things you find out is that the elites are extremely smart. They have very, very, very smart theoreticians. People understand systems science. You know, people like Dean Acheson, you know, go look at his background, you know, went to Yale, you know, went to Harvard Law School. These people really understand machinations of how uh, systems work, they, under, they, they play chess 10 steps ahead. Uh, they're not dumb folks. So Dean Acheson was a guy in power while Cordell Hall was away. The other thing to understand is that the ultimate goal of this is once you have something figured out, you leverage the media to do sufficient amount of propaganda to for everyday people to hate this fictitious enemy. And this is why you know, our movement for truth, freedom, and health keeps emphasizing it's about working people uniting. We have to keep asking ourselves, do you want liberation? Do you, and it's really about you, because when you look at the conditions today, we can go on the internet and you can read all the horrible things of what the elites are doing. What I just did was give you an analysis. The analysis is not to just expose the set of elites, but more importantly, to discuss how the elites manipulate working people to do things that are not in their interest. It was not in the interest of the American working people, you know, to have their sons and daughters go die in another war. It was not in their interest at all. However, it was in the interest of elites to go do this. All the people are giving loans, right? Um, people profited from war. That's who was in the interest of. And right now we have to look at whose interests was it to support the jab? Whose interest is it to support censorship with government and big tech? Whose interest is it to create science that's fake science? And if you look over the last four years, if you just look at the data and let go of, see things as they are, not as you want them to be. Over the last four years, nothing happened to Hillary Clinton. Nothing happened to um, Fauci, in spite of the obvious thing, this guy doesn't know any science. Operation Warp Speed was executed. $6.2 trillion were printed for the elites. 
600 billionaires double their wealth. 0.01% of the people increase their wealth by 11%, nearly $400 billion. Nothing, you know, Julian Assange wasn't pardoned. Okay. Ed Snowden wasn't pardoned. And you go down the list over and over and over again. It doesn't matter whether you're left or right. You will see that every president who comes in, these elections are selections. And ultimately, they'll use a black guy to manipulate one wing of the uh, left. And they'll use a, a white guy to manipulate the other wing of the working class. And what you see is that our goal in doing these videos is to start waking you up. What interest do you have in supporting any of these politicians? And you really have to ask yourself the question, do you want to get off your ass and really understand how the dynamics of the science of systems works? Are you serious about liberating yourself? And our movement for truth, freedom, and health, the reason I do these videos, it's not about the movement getting involved in some political party. This movement is about you. Do you want to get off your butt, understand the dynamics of politics, how there's a controlled opposition, how history is operated, and do you fundamentally in this lifetime want to make a significant change for you? Or do you just want to be on the sidelines, a spectator, okay, I'm going to vote for this guy this time, I'm going to vote for this guy, you're going to vote for Trump, you're going to vote for Biden, whatever the nonsense is. And history will teach you that the only time you or I or working people have gotten liberation is when you stood up on your own two feet and understood how the elites operate. And that comes through the science of systems. And so that's why I encourage all of you to go to truthfreedomhealth.com and learn this. I've made it extremely accessible. We've created all this infrastructure for you. It's really for you. And we also have an open house, right, John? Yep. Every Thursdays? Yes, Thursday. Every Thursday evenings from around 7.48 Eastern Standard Time to 9 p.m., we do a whole, whole open house. In order for you to get to that, I encourage all of you to go to truthfreedomhealth.com. Go to truthfreedomhealth.com. Let me bring this up. And when you go to that website, you'll find out that, let me show you here. Um, you can literally sign up. Um, and it's absolutely, there's no cost here. You can just sign up as a, uh, let's see, as a member, okay? And you'll start getting emails and do that right away. So go to truthfreedomhealth.com. You can sign up as a warrior. You can sign up as a supporter, but you can just sign up as a member right here. You still, I still give you a lot of educational gifts, but the most important thing is you, you get to learn the dynamics, at least come to our um, the open house, uh, but you get to understand how the elites think, the science of systems, but it's about time people recognize and started valuing themselves. That's what we need to do. Screw all these elections. The elections are selections. I'll repeat, elections are selections. Third time, the elections are selections. Obama was selected, Trump was selected, Biden was selected, okay? Elections are selections. And when we run for office, we're not running to win on their terms. We're going to use the attention that the elites try to brainwash people. Oh, you're going to vote someone else and the things are going to change. Things aren't changing. They've gotten worse. In the last four years, we have massive censorship like never before. We have mandates. 
to essentially enslave people. And we have the total corruption of science, Fauci being an example. And our movement called this out in March of 2020. And some of you get upset when I call out Trump and Robert Kennedy, two people who are the not so obvious establishment. And if you want to keep going and following these guys, recognize that they do not do what's right at that time. Our movement has been always consistent and at least an order of magnitude ahead. And if more people followed what we have uncovered at the right time, we wouldn't have been in this situation. So it's time you start recognizing, look to you, your neighbor beside you, don't look above. That's what the elites want you to do. F these elections, okay? Recognize the elections are the vehicle that occurs every two to four years to keep you corralled and your attention like some idiots who watch some you know, stupid gladiator fight. You don't wanna be an idiot. And I have to be harsh, unfortunately, because the time scale in which we're operating is compressing. It's time that we identify those people who get it and they get the training and we build a massive explosive movement that's based on education of understanding system science. So go to truthfreedomhealth.com. I'll keep doing these videos. I'm gonna do a video, uh, a follow-up to this, really talking about neo-colonialism. What's going on in the modern world? We're gonna talk about why all the, many of these tech companies are now being run by these Indian guys, okay? Who in my view are lackeys to the same old elites, just like the Indians in the 1920s were lackeys to the British crown. I don't think it's any coincidence that the, you know, the CEO of Microsoft, the CEO of Twitter, the CEO of, what else, John? Adobe. Adobe, Google, Google are all these Indian guys. And many times you really look at their characters. They don't have any fighting spirit. These guys are all sellouts. They'll suck up to anyone. And we're going to talk about that. This is exactly what happened during the British times. The British would come into these third world countries, neo-colonialism, appoint these brown or dark skinned guys to suppress other people. It is no coincidence a lot of these tech companies are being managed by that same mentality of sucking up to, you know, colonialism, you know, bootlickers. That's what these guys are. And so we're in a very, very important time. We cannot afford stupidity. We can't afford people anymore to wait for Trump, wait for some billionaire or celebrity. If you want to do that, this is not the movement for you. Please go vote in these ridiculous elections and keep sucking up to those people. But if you're serious about your own liberation, then go to Truth, Freedom and Health and do it for you. Because if you don't understand the physics of how the world operates and you don't understand system science, you'll be an unconscious incompetent. Anyway, we'll have these videos coming. Go to truthfreedomhealth.com. I'm committed to educating you and I'm committed for you to educating yourself and educating others, learning, teaching, and serving. Thank you, everyone. Have a good evening.